Back in April 2018, my husband and I took a trip to Chicago to attend the first ever show, Sell More Book Show Summit with uh, Brian Cohen and Jim Kukrell inside a comedy joint or a theater. And one of the speakers was this guy named Jay Thorne, who has long salt and pepper hair and a beard. And he wore a black jacket with jeans and a black um, like some kind of rock band t-shirt, um, definitely gives off metal rock vibes. Little did I know that Jay would become a very important person to me um, as a mentor and a guide. So I'm thrilled to welcome Jay Thorne to the Writing Pursuits podcast. Jay is an early adopter, full stop, period. He isn't afraid to jump in to explore such things as NFTs and crypto and chat GPT. His bio is too long to read here, so I will include it in the show notes. But you should know that Jay has published over 2 million words and sold more than 185,000 books. I'm sure that's more than now worldwide. He is an official member of the Science Fiction and Fantasy Writers of America, the Horror Writers Association, and the Great Lakes Association of Horror Writers. He co-founded the Writers, Inc. podcast with J.D. Barker and so much more. More recently, Jay has published a couple of books, soon to be three, about using ChatGPT as a co-writer. So stick around for a great discussion of this somewhat controversial topic. Welcome to the Writing Pursuits podcast, where authors like you discuss writing craft, author life, and book marketing strategies. I'm your host, Catherine McKee. I own Writing Pursuits and write and produce the weekly newsletter, Writing Pursuits Tips for Authors. In addition, I am a speculative fiction author. Writing Pursuits is for authors who drink too much coffee, endure judgmental looks from their furry writing companions, and struggle for words. If you are a writer seeking encouragement, information, and inspiration, this podcast is for you. Let's get to it. Hey, Jay. Uh, Welcome to Writing Pursuits Podcast. Thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah, I'm excited for our conversation, Catherine. Thanks for the invite. I also feel like I just would be like an ingrate if I didn't thank you publicly for your impact on my writing life and for being my mentor and the whole three-story method editing group and and so forth. So thank you. I really appreciate you saying that. uh, You know, I feel like, I feel like we should play that game, like the six degrees of Kevin Bacon, Uh, (laughs) but, but with the the variation, like the six degrees of Jay Thorne, you know, with famous (laughs) writers. Because uh, uh, like on that writer's ink thing, you've talked to so many of the people that everybody, you know, dreams about meeting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's still, um, it's so hard for me to believe I've had some of those conversations, honestly. <laughs> I'll bet. I'll bet. Uh, like Andy Weir. What? Um, yeah. And uh, uh, James Patterson. That's jo- Joyce Carol Oates. Have you had any contact with like Robin McKinley? I'm sorry. You broke up there for a second. Robin McKinley. Uh, no, I, I don't believe I've, uh, I've, I've spoken to Robin. So now you'll have to see if Joanna Penn has met Robin McKinley. Oh, Robin. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> she wrote one of my favorite books. So, you know. Um, okay. But anyway, um, as long as I've known you, you've been an early adopter of new technologies like NFTs and cryptocurrencies and now chat GPT, mid-journey. And I, I wondered what makes you think that AI is here to stay? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, uh, f- first, I, I will readily admit that when you're an early adopter, you get burned a lot. Uh, that, that goes with the territory. It's, um, it's really a risk-reward situation. You know, if you're in early on something and it, and it pans out, then you you get rewards, and when it doesn't, um, you get burned. So, yeah. uh, you know, I, I I will say um, I don't feel as though I was burned by NFTs or crypto. I went in really hard on 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 that a few years ago, but as I as I said to everyone, and, and I and I said it repeatedly, I was basically using casino money, and I and I define casino money as money that you're willing to to kind of throw away for entertainment, and that's basically what I did. And you know, a couple of years later, um, although I still believe in the, in the foundational technology of blockchain, 
Uh, I think the way NFTs have panned out are they're not coming back. Um, I think there was a lot of greed that destroyed that. Um, there were mm-hmm. promises made about um, secondary royalties uh, that that didn't that didn't hold up. And there are a lot of reasons why that the whole NFT thing crashed, and and I don't think it's going to come back in in the form that it was in. Um, so I want to acknowledge up front that um, if someone has known me and like, yeah, that guy's always crowing about the newest thing, um, you're probably right. Uh, <laughs> but I only have to be right one time. Once. That's right. Exactly <laughs> That's exactly right. Right. So um, and 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 again, I've I've always counseled people and said, you know, yes, you can you could be an early adopter and you can you know you can go in on this stuff, but you have to be smart about it, and because it's very high risk, and you you can't play with money that you're not willing to lose or time for that matter, mm-hmm. or uh, time because you may not get it back, right? So I think your question's a great one. Like, why is this any different, right? If you if you look, why is AI any different than any number of technologies that have come along in in the past, you know, five to seven years? I think the light bulb for me was uh, uh, my mom. <laughs> Now, my, my mom is 73. Okay. Uh, yeah, 73. And uh, I didn't even attempt to explain cryptocurrency or NFTs to her. I was like, I'm just not, there's, like, my mom has a phone. She has an iPhone, but she doesn't even have a computer. So I'm like, there's just no way I'm even going to, I'm even going to try right, that. Right. Well, when ChatGPT came along, uh, I had my mom try it and, and she was able to. Now, she's not going to use it. <laughs> and she really didn't understand what was happening, mm-hmm. but she was able to, with her phone, go to OpenAI, create an account, and ask it a question. And that, to me, that was the light bulb moment. That mm-hmm. was there is no, there's no training that's required. There's no, um, there's no onboarding process. I will put an asterisk under that and say I'm talking mostly about sort of developed countries in the Western world. I recognize there are a lot of people globally who aren't even on the internet yet. Correct. I recognize that. But folks who are like us who are listening to this more than likely don't have those issues. And and you, you can go to the web browser and for free, you can create an account and you can start using this technology. And it doesn't require any technical skill. You don't need to know any coding. You don't need to be a developer. You don't even need to speak the tech bro language. <laughs> you right. can use regular words and you can get instant results from this thing. And I think that to me was the the light bulb moment that said this one, this is going to be different. Well, I have to agree with you. I was, um, I remember the very first time I opened it up and I just did a query because I was curious. And uh, when it came back with its response, it was like, oh, we have opened Pandora's box. There is no getting this back in the box. It is here. That's right. It is just like the internet. You know, once it got past the AOL stage, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, this is this is here to stay, and um, it will only get more integrated into everything. I believe, like it's already in Canva. It's already in uh, uh, what was it the other day? Uh, Beehive. It's already in uh, pretty much anywhere where you're going to go online and start composing. They're just rushing to put it in there to to get it integrated. Probably chat GPT or the engine b- b- below it, but also, you know, Google's hurrying and hurrying to try to catch up. So <laughs> with its BARD and stuff, and also its search page is going to change because of the AI. So I happen to agree with you. I think it's here. I think it's here to stay. And um, you're right. To be an early adopter is a great idea. Um, so in your book, I, I just finished it, co-writing with chat GPT. Uh, you go over misconceptions about AI, and I'd like you to just pick the two, one or two that are the most pernicious, <laughs> most mistaken, I guess, are the ones that you hear the most and why they're wrong. These kind of conversations are pretty rare for me. Uh, the, the reason being is I am not an evangelist. I'm <laughs> not out to convert anybody. No. And so I don't often have these conversations because... I simply talk to people who already agree that this is this is the future because I'm I'm just not going to waste time on on people who either don't care about it, don't understand it, and and that's nothing personal. It's just that um, it's impossible to change someone's mind. So Let's that's not, it's, not, it's, it's not my job, right? Like right. it doesn't matter if it's religion, politics, 
culturally, AI, it doesn't matter. Like you're not going to change someone's mind. They'll come to whatever they're going to conclusion they'll come to on their own. So I just stay out of those conversations. I, okay. I don't, I don't go to places, you know, where they have those. However, I think the books are a great opportunity. And what I mean mm-hmm. by that is the books that I've been publishing, the most recent three story method books have been focused on uh, using AI as a writer and publisher. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think these are important and, and, uh, you know, I, I'm I'm trying not to let my own ego get in the way. It's not as though my message is important. I think it's I think these books, because they're some of the first ones that are coming out, and mm-hmm. because I'm an indie publisher and I can turn them around so quickly and get them out there and get them in people's hands, it might be the first time people are hearing some of these things in my books. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, right, and, and and I think the advantage to that is that. Um, if you're curious about AI, but you feel as though there's a stigma attached to it, you're not going to go somewhere where you can be identified. You're not going to join a Facebook group where your profile is, is public and people mm-hmm. can say, aha, you're using AI. You're the villain, right? And so you're books, cheating. <laughs> yeah, right. So books give you the opportunity to, to maybe learn uh, a little more about it uh, anonymously or in private. And that's why in the first two books, I've included sort of a, a very small collection of essays in the back of both that for, and those are mostly for folks who are maybe AI curious, mm-hmm. they're on the fence, they don't know, and this is a safe way for them to start learning about it. So that, that's, that's the purpose of them. Um, they're a bit, um, some of them are edgy or, may, or maybe controversial on purpose, uh, and, and they don't necessarily reflect Everyone who is AI positive right now, uh, like the, there's a couple that I hear uh, the most comments about, or, the, or uh, there's a few that people uh, ask me about most frequently. Um, one of them is is not very optimistic, and the other one is. So uh, maybe we'll talk about those two, so you have a little bit of balance. There you go, do it. Yeah, uh, the one that's that people are finding very optimistic, or that's resonating with a lot of uh, indie writers specifically is that I am suggesting we need to shift uh, labels that we need to re-identify as storytellers instead of writers. And I think um, up until this point, the definition of a writer had to do with the mechanical nature of the activity, mm-hmm. whether it was um, a stylus on papyrus, <laughs> whether <laughs> it's uh, a legal pad, a typewriter, a keyboard, a dictation device. Up until this point, We've defined writing as the act of generating words. Mm -hmm. And I'm basically saying that's not relevant anymore because this new tool is a better word generator than all those previous things Mm -hmm. going all the way back to the the Gutenberg's press. And so therefore, our focus is becoming more on being a storyteller and, and directing the tool that generates the words. It used to be a thing to sort of keep track of your word count. I don't think that's yes. relevant anymore. I don't think it matters, right? Because I can sit down and I can have a scene and I can tell chat GPT, here's what I want you to write. And you didn't know you didn't hit it here. Redo this, um, insert this. And I, and I can, I can generate 10 times more words in, in a day than I could prior to chat GPT, mm-hmm. but, but it has nothing to do with writing. The, the, the physical act of writing. Mm-hmm. So uh, what I, I think what I'm trying to explain to people is that it's never been about the writing. It's always been about the storytelling. And, and, but we've confused those. Right. And, and, and there are a lot of people whose identity is hung up on being a writer um, for better or worse. You know, they, they want <laughs> sort of the badge of honor. They want to kind of suffer through uh, the difficult drafting and, and, uh, th- there's a bit of gatekeeping involved. Like I can do this and you can't, um, the, you know, and, and I think that's, you know, it's especially, you know, where it really opened my eyes is learning about how people with, uh, disabilities or, or chronic illness have been able to use AI to generate words when they couldn't before. Does that make them less of a writer because they physically can't move their arm to, to type? I, I, I don't think so. Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's really more of a focus on um, not so much the mechanics of what it takes to generate words, but it's about the ideas. Mm-hmm. I totally agree with that perspective. You have to have the vision. You're having the vision. You're just using the machine 
it's a glorified typewriter. <laughs> if you don't mind my saying so, um, a word generator that's been coached with millions of words, millions of, of, of written words and essays and compositions and stories, maybe not so many stories as compositions, but either way, but it's, it is a machine that you're just working with, in my opinion. Um, right. Now, I get a lot of pushback from one of my daughters uh, because they say, well, you know, they're they're taking now they're coming from the art perspective where they're thinking, well, they're taking uh, fragments of things that people have hand created, you know, to create the pictures. And so it's like AI is bad, you know, and I'm like, uh, maybe I'll, 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 <laughs> you know what, though, that's a little different. And I'll mm-hmm. give them that. I think the way that the I think the way that. uh Images are generated by by AI, like things like Mid Journey and Stable Diffusion, mm-hmm. uh, um, are different than than the words. The, the the learning the LLMs like like Chat GPT and Claude, they're they're predictors. It's a it's a statistical algorithm that's determining the most logical output. And, and this this is a big misconception a lot of people have when they say, oh well, you know AI scraped my books. And it's plagiarism. That, that's they're not copying and pasting. They're learning the alg- They're learning the math, right? By, by reading books, they're not they're not lifting the content, right? But with images, it's a little different. Uh, with images, they are using components of of images that have been scanned, which is why sometimes it's first of all, it's why Midjourney couldn't couldn't draw fingers for the longest time uh, because it's not technically drawing. It's sort of more sampling. And it also, right. um, when sometimes when you do some of these images, they bring in watermarks, uh, and to me Oops. that's just pure <laughs> that's just pure evidence that like they're using pixels. That's that a dead giveaway right there. <laughs> yeah. So I and I, so my opinion on that's a little different, and and mm-hmm. it's and it's you know I'm I'm a little less excited about uh, about that element of it, but I don't think that applies to the the language model. I think what's happened is like they conflated. The AI problem, the problem with AI and, and graphic art and AI as a word generator engine. And like you say, a prediction engine. I think that's what it is. I think it'll get straightened out. But um, in the meantime, there's a lot of like mudslinging going on that, you know, yeah. all AI is evil and, you know, uh, plagiaristic and uh, so forth. So, I know that in the end, it's the human touch that's going to make the story or break the story. True. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> I, I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to skirt past the uh, the other part. The other answer okay, to that yeah. question that you asked me. Uh, this one's a, a little less optimistic, and I hope I'm wrong. I don't think I will be. I, I've <laughs> basically said um, that I believe the entertainment industry as we've known it is dead, mm. and. Uh, it's a dead man walking right now. Uh, excuse the, the the movie reference, but with the actors and writers on strike, I feel it's uh, it's appropriate. Uh, I, I really believe that we are. Um, it's already dead, and it'll be a few more years um, before it, it completely falls apart. But uh, I'm talking about things like um, the movie industry in Hollywood. I'm talking about uh, the recording industry, record labels. I'm talking about the publishing industry and, and authorship. I think it's gone. I mean, if you if you look at where we are now and mm-hmm. you take it out to its most logical conclusion, what we are going to end up with is we're going to end up with a situation where you come home from work and you sit on the couch and you decide what kind of entertainment you want that evening. And so maybe you're in the mood to watch something visual. Maybe you're in the mood to read something. Maybe you'd want to listen to some some wonderful music. If, if you're if you're our age, you'll probably pull a book off the shelf, or you'll you'll probably listen to some music that that you're familiar with. Right. But very quickly, it's going to move to the point where you're just going to be able to tell the your your personalized AI entertainment system what it is you want to experience, and you can say to the AI, "I want to be in a Jason Bourne movie, and I want to be the protagonist, and I want you to set it in my hometown." Uh, and I want to be, I want to come out victorious at the end. And 30 seconds later, you could be watching that motion picture. 30 seconds later, uh, you've got a gun to your head and you're being chased yeah. through the, t- <laughs> right? Jason right. Bourne sounds like a dangerous choice. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, right? And like, or, or, or you can be like, hey, I want to be in, uh, you know, I want to be in the stand and I want to be uh, fighting <laughs> Randall Flagg. Um, you know, write me a book like that with me. And, and again, it, you're going to kind of have it. And, and so I think what that means is there are going to be professions like, like novelists and musicians and movie makers that, that might become like blacksmiths are today. You know, do people still, are, are there still blacksmiths? Yeah, there are. Yes. Right. Um, but they're very, very few and, and it's a very niche thing and only certain people buy it. Like if you need a new hinge for your kitchen cabinet, you're not looking up for a blacksmith. You're, you're going to the, the hardware store and, yeah. and you're buying the hinge. Right. I really think that's where we're headed. And, and quite honestly, like these industries didn't exist before the last century. Like we, we often think that these things have been around forever and they haven't. Like, you know, you the movie are industry. so right. I mean, when was <laughs> the, the first recording? It was, Late the early 1900s. 1800s. Well, yeah, the first recordings of not, yeah, I mean, not at, film, but at, audio, right. Edison, right? Edison, um, and in in that, and you had Alan Lomax in the in the 20s and 30s who recorded a lot of the southern um blues uh musicians, right? Um, but yeah, but before that, it it, it did you had to go to a concert as a musician, right? You right. had to go to a concert somewhere or yeah. an entertainment venue or a bar or whatever to hear the That's local right. musician yeah. play. Yeah. Right. Indie author was not a profession. Uh, <laughs> you know, like we, we just think that like these things have always been around and we assume that they always will be. And, and they're not. Now, I've had conversations with folks who have said, well, that's not entirely true because one of the things that humans love is, is they love to, sh they love shared experiences. So if I have a personal AI and you have a personal AI, we're never going to talk about the art that we consume because it's being created for us individually. I can see that to an extent. And, and there may be very, very few of the entertainers of the kinds we have today that continue to do that, that become a, a commonly shared experience. So uh, I'm using Stephen King just because he's the most recognizable right. uh, mm -hmm. author, not because he's the best, right? But <laughs> if you have a Stephen King type of author, people are still going to read those books so that they can talk about them with each other. Or if you have a Brad Pitt style um, you know, actor whose likeness gets turned into AI and then replicated for films. And people will always go to see the, the quote unquote Brad Pitt films because they can talk about them. But I don't think that's going to be a mainstream thing. I don't think that's going to be like a, a, a pop culture thing. I think it's going to be a very niche thing. So, you know, I think the end game is that we're going to go back to people the way things were prior to the 1900s. I think Authors specifically might go back to writing books because they really love the craft and they maybe want to share it with some friends and family or they just want they just want to experience it. But like making a living from it, I just don't think that's going to be around for much longer. Have to get patrons. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And that was a model, right? That was a model dating back to to Middle Ages. You know, um, it was the more wealthy <laughs> folks, right, who could afford yeah. uh, to patronize the artists. But that's that's how artists made a living is, is they had benefactors. They they weren't selling mass market, mass produced things. And um, it, it's been a great ride. And we've been very fortunate to be part of it. But <laughs> it's ending. <laughs> um, I was just thinking about what you just said. It was um, even before that. Like there's two books in the Bible where like Luke wrote both of them and he wrote Luke and he wrote Luke yes. and Acts and he wrote them because he had a sponsor. Hey, I'm, I'm writing this for you because you asked wow, me to write it. I and I guess that. he was paid to go do interview the people because he was, here's my report. Here's my report on the guy named Jesus. And here's yeah. my report on the early church. This is what happened after that guy died. Yeah. And, and so like, that's obviously a thing where, you know, he hired somebody who was very educated, a doctor to go find out about these things for him. Right. <laughs> yeah. So right. anyway, it's, that's a model that's been around. So I guess if you can sell your skills, you still have a job or you can use I mean, chat GPT. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like, you know, even uh, that, that's why I go back to this idea of being a storyteller. Like, you know, it doesn't mean people are going to stop writing. It doesn't mean people are going to stop telling stories. It just means it's not going to be economically viable to do that for 99% of the population. I, I think that's what it means. 
Writing Pursuits is run by Catherine McKee, who has been trusted by fiction authors since 2014 to take their writing to a new level of excellence. Catherine is a three-story method certified editor who specializes in story diagnostics, coaching, and line editing to help you prepare your story for the journey ahead. For more information, go to writingpursuits.com. The link is in the show notes. And now, back to the podcast. Certain people will have no interest in writing a book. They never will. But the mm-hmm. AI is going to get so good that they're not going to have to. Like right now, you have to direct the AI and it's only as good as what you put into it. Right. But that's right now. Um, <laughs> it's it's just getting better and better and better. And like you said, that genie's not going back in the bottle. No. And even if like here's the other thing, you know, there are people who are they're hoping they're hoping that there's some kind of ban. There's a lawsuit there's government regulation. Even if all the development stopped right now, the publishing industry is already dead. And they don't know it yet. Wow. Okay. So uh, yeah, I'm not sure I want to hear that. I'm not sure I'm ready to hear that. Honestly, uh, I can see that you, you have a, a real good point that maybe the largest percentage of what is out there to read will be done with co-writing anyway, at the very least. Yeah, I, I don't. My, I include myself in this. Mm-hmm. I don't think any of us are entitled to to sell our books for for money and make a living at it. We're just not entitled to that. So, some people think they are. Uh, mm-hmm. It's been a great. It's been a wonderful gift, and I don't take it for granted. But it's not our God given right. Uh, and correct. Uh, you know, and I, it's just it's it's unfortunate because I think there are a lot of people who, who believe it is, mm-hmm. and a lot of people who uh, don't want to accept the reality of where the technology is going and. We could end up with Skynet, like I. We could end up with AI taking over systems. Like I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a uh, you know a unicorn and rainbows guy when it comes to AI. I'm very realistic. I understand that there's some existential threats, but I can't control any of that. I have no control over it. Neither do you. It's happening. Yeah. Um, and so the only thing I can do, I, I can make a choice. I can be fearful of it, and I can spoil the rest of the time I have here worrying about what. AI is going to do where mm-hmm. I can make the best of it on a day by day basis mm-hmm. because in the end it's going to turn out the same way anyways. So that was what I was going to ask is you're you're you've got these two books about writing with co-writing with ChatGPT and about coaching it through the process and I'm like in that same boat. I definitely have a few more books that I would like to publish. Uh, fiction books that I would like to publish. I'm on board for using it at least as a tool. And if nothing else, then editing what comes out and, you know, rewriting it because that's where I'm at. I, I believe Michael Crichton is a lot, is, is right about books being rewritten, not necessarily yeah. written in the first <laughs> place, but um, at least improved. Even if what the, the machine is able to create is great, I still think it can be improved with like, polishing if you want to take that time so the thing that struck me when i was reading was about the obligatory scenes and how you coach chat gpt through the creation process it's been eye-opening uh and and i and i think too i will i I will backtrack a little bit on the on on my apocalyptic scenario with (laughs) for, for entertainment and say that it could be years before mm-hmm. it gets sophisticated enough to do what we're talking about and having a personal entertainment. Uh, I should mention AIs. that I should mention that Jay Thorne is a horror writer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I mean, it, you know, it could be it could be a, a minute or two before we get to that point, and so that that's why I'm not sort of giving up my keyboard and uh, and and everything right now. I, I, like I said, I'm trying to make the best of it. I'm trying mm-hmm. to use it as a tool. And one of the things that I realized is that I, over the years I've created, um, I've generated a lot of educational material on the craft mm-hmm. and, I, and I've published it. And some of it, I'm sure ChatGPT has scanned and others of it, I have to feed it. So one of the things that I did that you'll never see in the book or in the prompts, it all happened behind the scenes. And I think this is the difference between understanding craft and using ChatGPT and not understanding craft. For for both of those books and for one I have coming out in the very near future, I basically fed it all the three story method books, and and I quizzed it and I and I and I drilled Chat GPT almost like a student. I and I asked it to regurgitate the information, to synthesize it, to explain it to me, so that 
I understood that it knew what three-story method was. Mm-hmm. Once I had that, I had it compile it into like a sort of like a master prompt. And then from a master prompt, I can then use that very surgically. And it's almost like a shorthand. It's almost like a short code in WordPress where I can, I can give chat GPT uh, a very short uh, amount of instruction. And what it's basically doing is synthesizing all of that story methodology, including other story methodology that we've all used, like the hero's journey and the virgin's promise and save the cat and snowflake, you know, all of those methodologies, they're not the books, but the methodologies are out there. Like they're, they're on the internet. Like it's not, it's not proprietary. It's not behind a paywall or anything. And so I was able to, to take all of that and feed that in a chat GPT to get the prompts that you see in those books. And, and I have a, a one coming out where I, I, I took that even to the next step when I created scene archetypes. Oh, okay. and so those prompts that you're seeing, that's the tip of the iceberg, but they're, they're very high powered and they're loaded um, with, with a lot of background information. This is nuts and bolts, but how did you feed it your books and, and how did it remember that? Yeah, it wasn't easy. As we're recording this, uh, Code Interpreter, which is part of the chat GPT paid account, mm-hmm. is still in beta, and they just released it a few weeks ago. So a lot of, a lot of this, I, I, I'm literally doing it. I, I'm, I'm just discovering it. You're on um, the bleeding edge. <laughs> I really am. I'm pushing this. I'm, I'm pushing the limits of this. I, I, I'm really like from a, from a storytelling perspective, I'm doing things I, I, I think not many other people were doing yet with this. And I'm, I'm trying to figure out, you know, how much, how much I can get it to use. But, but basically code interpreter allows you to upload text documents. So mm-hmm. I would just chunk out parts of the book into text documents and I would give it a master list of commands and I would say, okay, read these chapters and then tell me, synthesize that information. And then I would keep it. Okay. Now read these chapters. Again, it's like teaching. Like it, it's almost like a, you know, a, a student and I'm saying, okay, we're going to look at this part and then this part and then this part. And then I put it all together for chat GPT and, and feed it back into it. So it's this constantly, it's a loop. It's the secular loop of yes, teaching it and then sending it back, teaching it and sending it back mm. so that eventually it gets crystallized to, I can take, basically I'm, I'm having chat GPT synthesize an entire book down to like a couple of pages. Uh, and then I can use that you know, in, in a more practical sense, but yeah, that's all through experimentation and code interpreter, um, has been the only way I've been able to do that. I've used like the, the ask your PDF plugin. It's Mm -hmm. not, it's okay. It misses a lot. Um, it doesn't like, especially if the PDF is a couple hundred pages, like it's just too much. So by using text documents and, and only feeding it a few chapters at a time, um, you know, it was painstaking and it was, uh, a bit tedious, but, uh, but it worked. That's interesting because I um, I keep my most of my notes are in um, Obsidian, which yeah. is text based. Um, yes. It does have a little bit of markup, but it's very slender. It's like you know uh, you don't have to have the open bracket slash close bracket. It's two asterisks, <laughs> and it knows. Yeah. Oh, you want it to be you know, or no, it's two asterisks on either side. But it's much easier to type. So it's text itself and you could ignore that uh, whereas if you were looking at an html document for instance with all its uh, language or whatever it becomes very distracting i have a lot of stuff in text so that's just one less step that i have to go through i would have to take my word documents if i wanted to if i had stuff in word and put it into text and then put it into chat to or to your code thing to uh have it yeah yeah and it, interesting. It, there's some there's some quirky things and again it's still in beta so i i don't really know where it's going to end up and and i don't think it code interpreter is really more for um for more for like uh coders yeah um, quite honestly for for creating apps um so i'm i'm using it probably in, a, in an atypical <laughs> way um which is what i do i i, I find Hack. tools and i use them for ways that they're not intended um <laughs> but but yeah like it's um it's pretty simple. Like you, I, I figured out that if I designate um, headings within a plain text file, like if I use a, a dashed line above and below a line of text, and then I tell ChatGPT the section is delineated by a by this dash bar like this, and I copy paste the dash bar, then mm-hmm. it knows. Then when it scans a document, it goes, "Oh wait, yep, that's a section." 
And so that's a, that's a, like just one example of how you could take very simple, um, you know, unformatted text, basically. Like I use Notepad for a lot of stuff, old school Notepad. Um, and it does the same thing. You know, I just put, mm-hmm. I put a bracket around it or I put a dashed line above and below. And then, um, and then ChatGPT knows that's designated because that's what you lose with a PDF is like sometimes it'll, it'll skim past a heading or it'll skim past a chapter title and it doesn't know it's into the next chapter. Right. And then it gets used. Um, I think this is all stuff by the time quote unquote regular people, normies <laughs> use right? it. It won't even like, the, you know, it won't even be an issue. They'll just like, you know, they'll upload a document and it'll just do it. But like right now, I'm figuring this stuff out. You know, a lot of it is just trial and error. I, I love that. I think that it will only improve and it will only get easier to use. It's fine to, to forge ahead, if you will, but uh, they'll soon have stuff for, like you say, normies. I got a business computer science degree back when I was like one of the few women that did that. So I don't consider myself a normie. I consider myself a nerdy. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so I thought it was interesting that in your first book, you kind of warmed about how discovery writers might uh, might have a problem using yeah. Chat GPT, and then you turned right around and yes. you wrote, wrote Chat GPT for discovery writers. <laughs> yes, yes. So, yep. I haven't had a chance to read that. Kind of like tell tell us about that book. I always say that like if you're a lifelong learner, by definition you should be changing your mind a lot. <laughs> Otherwise, what are you learning, right? If you're learning stuff and then you keep still, you, you keep doing things the same way, you're not really learning. So right. I get called out on that a lot. People will be like, but wait a minute, you said, wait, you said- like, I did say that. And at the time, based on the knowledge I had, I totally believed it. <laughs> it but now I don't. <laughs> yeah. So, so I, sh- shortly after I wrote the first book, um, and and this is something I, I'm not saying anyone was critical, but I, I've known this. I, I I know that a lot of craft books, almost all craft books, are not really for discovery writers. No, they're, they're not. For, they're plotters. They're methodologies that they're um, that that are developed to help people who plan novels. And I always felt like discovery writers kind of get kind of got shafted. You know, they bad. they don't really get the same level of of attention. And quite honestly, I mean, I've even before AI had written and published dozens of, of novels. And I was like, I started out as a pure pantser. I did I was too. Like, you know what? Yeah. I said, I'm going to, I've sort of fluctuated on the spectrum back and forth. I've gone from pure pantser to, to hardcore plotter and, and sort of everywhere in between. And I thought, you know what? This could be fun. Like I'm going to, I'm going to try an experiment with chat GPT. Uh, I'm, I'm only going to come with an idea. And I'm going to see if I can just on the fly create a story. And I decided I was going to document what I was doing in case it worked because then I could finally give discovery writers <laughs> something that they could play with. And, uh, and it, and it worked. And, um, it's one of those one times where you get lucky. Like, you know, I've tried 10 things and nine of them failed, but this one thing worked and it was, it blew my mind. And this is, this is the crux of that book. I had this moment where I was interacting with ChatGPT and I thought, wouldn't this be fun if instead of writing the scene together, we performed it? And I heard other people talking about asking ChatGPT to play a role, like pretend you're a movie producer, pretend you're an attorney. And I was like, well, why couldn't ChatGPT pretend to be a character in my story? So I explained to ChatGPT, I'm like, you're going to play this character and when I, and this goes back to my HTML days, I said, when I put the word start in brackets, that's like the, the, the clapboard. That's like an action. And go. All right. And then you're going to, you're, we're going to interact as characters within the story. And then when I type the word end in brackets, that's a cut. And I was oh, like, great. I don't know. This is, this is crazy, right? I don't know. This is probably not going to work. It's so crazy. It just work. <laughs> it blew my mind. It was nuts. Like it was, it was, I mean, it wasn't perfect, you know, like right. I, I still had to edit what it, would, what it was saying, but I was basically, I was playing one role and it was playing another and that was generating all the dialogue in the scene. And, and the craziest part was it knew it, it I say it knew it as if it's thinking, yeah, but right. it, when I typed end and hit enter chat GVT's next comment was like, Hey, that was a great scene. What are your ideas for the next one? <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. <laughs> this is absolutely nuts. But like, it was so much fun to do that. And like, once I figured that out, I'm like, it's just a simple, 
it's almost like an HTML bracket. It's like a, just a simple start and end. And within those, within those parameters, and, and like, I really pushed it. Like, and I ended up publishing a, one season of a, of a, um, like a psychological horror speculative fiction story with it. And at one point I was like, I'm really going to push chat GPT. So I had it play the role of a character, almost like a grim reaper character. But I told chat GPT, I said, I'm going to talk to you. I'm, uh, we're going to role play in the scene. I'm going to be the character. You're going to play the Grim Reaper, for lack of a better term. And you're going to answer me, but you can only answer me using Japanese death poems. Now, you're probably thinking, what is a Japanese death poem? So a few weeks earlier, I, I heard about a Japanese death poem book on Tim Ferriss' podcast. Apparently, it's a long Buddhist tradition where um, where the, where these priests in Japan, on their deathbed, they write a cone or a haiku or a poem as like their sort of parting gift to the world. And sometimes they like write the poem and like they fall over dead. Sometimes like they write the poem and they might die like a few few days later. But it goes back centuries. They've been wow. doing this for centuries, and, and they're they called Japanese death poems. They collected them. Well, they, they're. they're yeah, there's like a book of them, right? And some of them go back hundreds of years. Wow. And I started reading the book and it was really, it was really moving. Um, mm -hmm. Some of them were very strange and esoteric. Others were sort of wise. Others were sad. Others were joyful. And, and it, so, so I get to the scene and I, and I was like, I'm going to try, I'm going to have the, the chat GPT talking just Japanese death poems. And it did. <gasps> and like, I, mm -hmm. I went back and like, I, some of them I, I could find that there were evidence that they were existed. I think some of them it made up in the, in the style of a Japanese death poem. Right. And all of them contextually made sense. Now, not mm. common sense and they weren't a hundred, they weren't concrete, but I could infer from what it was saying. I could get the sort of the spirit of its response. Right. And I, that was like a mic drop. I was just like, Wow. Like I didn't I didn't tell it anything about Japanese death poems. I didn't explain what they were. I just said the rule is you can only answer in Japanese death poems and it did. Uh, see, that's the human element. You came up with something to <laughs> challenge it and and it yeah. rose to the occasion. But that's the yep. human element. You 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 infused your own creativity into it. And I guess if you create a scene and you decide that hey, chat GPT or whatever you're going to call it, you didn't get this emotion that I'm looking for. This other, this person's having this problem in the background. Can you somehow hint at that? Rewrite the scene. Let's let's redo it. Can you do that? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, there were there were times where I had it rewrite sections, or I had it rewrite passages. Uh -huh. There were sometimes I rewrote it in it for that scene. I rewrote all of its dialogue because I'm like, it's just not nailing. It. It's just yeah. not where I want it to be. And there were other times I didn't touch it. Hmm. The dialogue was just spot on. And and it did get better. Like I did 10 episodes. Each episode was about 1,000, 1,500 words long. And as we got deeper into it, it got better and better at it. Um, and I haven't started the second season yet. But I, um, again, back to our earlier point, I will take all of season one and I will feed it back into chat GPT before we start season two. So I'm not starting at zero again. I'm not retraining it mm -hmm. in the very beginning and it doesn't so, have to remember all of it. Will it have the same character? So you can say, remember that, that so-and-so is, is a undertaker who an yes. undertaker who, uh, you know, is grouchy all the time. Yeah. And in my, in my Scrivener document, I've, like I said, I documented everything and I, and I kept like character sheets and I kept like world building information. Mm -hmm. So at any time I can just feed that right back into chat GPT and bring it up to speed. Again, I think in a very short amount of time, you won't have to do that. I think it'll be able to reference everything that happened in the conversation all the way back to the beginning. Even if the beginning is, you know, 50,000 words ago, I think that would it'll, be lovely. it'll eventually remember it. Mm -hmm. Um, but right now I just kind of remind it, you know, um, mm -hmm. And it's a little tedious, but uh, it works. Right. Well, that's one of the things my son uses it for is world building. And so he, like, uh, he does Dungeons and Dragons. He's a dungeon master. So he goes out there and queries with ChatGPT to help him name places, come up with physical geography, and so on and so forth. You know, just to save himself a whole 
bunch of time. Yeah, I think that's one of its strengths, actually, is to save you a lot of time. Yeah, I mean, that's, uh, I mean, that, that's a whole nother conversation. But even like the nonfiction books that I've been producing lately, <laughs> I could have done those without AI. They would have taken me a year plus each. And with, with AI, I've, I've have them done in a matter of weeks. It seems unrelated, but but my daughter has been watching the mini series about I think it's a mini series about Bernie Madoff. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's on Netflix. Not for sure. Yeah, I saw it. And I see a lot of stuff as I walk through the living room. <laughs> so that's how I've been watching <laughs> this thing about Bernie Madoff. And I happened to walk through at one point where they were talking about the fact that he latched on to computers right away. Yes. And he revolution revolutionized basically the stock market because he latched onto that, saw the opportunity, and automated a lot of things that used to take a transaction used to take days or right. even weeks to finalize. But he managed to shave the time off and shave the time off and shave the time off. And I was thinking that that's exactly what Chat GPT does. It is, and I hate the. Equating with Bernie Madoff, but it, yeah. you know, <laughs> even bring him in. But it is if you see the opportunity, it is a way to level up, if you will, at least yeah. your speed, and then you can worry about the quality. Whereas before, you were having to like eke it out onto the paper, or as whoever it was said, you know, open a vein and bleed on the page. But uh, <laughs> I. I think that you're right that writing is it's going to become more like uh, directing. Yes. Yes. And uh, hence you're going to be more of a storyteller than a writer. So it, it behooves you to know about your storytelling. <laughs> yeah. Get that straight. <laughs> I love the way that you talked about using save the cat and uh, chat GPT to kind of come together or, and, th and three C's actually to come together and uh, write a really tight story and hit all the notes. Yeah, exactly. Hero's Journey, same way. I mean, these are, you know, these are story archetypes for reason. They've lasted. Again, you know, why reinvent the wheel? Uh, you know, Chad GPT has the accumulated wisdom of of thousands or hundreds of thousands of years of of human thought uh, in it. You know, why not take advantage of that? Um, you know, it's not it's not generating the, the story. It's it's helping me take my ideas and put them into a framework that I know is going to connect with people. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's, that's where we're headed. Um, what's your next book? The next book, and it might be out by the time this airs because <gasps> it's very close to being published, but it's, uh, so you're getting an exclusive here. I haven't talked about this publicly oh, yet. Ooh. It's called the, uh, the scene archetype handbook. Uh, I started this probably four years ago and I set mm -hmm. it aside because I realized it would take me probably two years of full-time work to, to do it. And I just didn't have the, the time to do that. Um, you know, I couldn't, I could yeah. not earn money for two years to write this, <laughs> but essentially what I did is I I've identified, I think 75 scene archetypes on uh, what I'm calling a scene archetype. The most famous one is the West wing walk and talk that Aaron Sorkin made popular. Um, okay. Law and order did this as well, right? Like two characters are moving through, they're walking and they're talking and essentially what they're doing is they're giving the the reader or the viewer information without info dumping it, right? Without right. telling them, um, you're, you're getting sort of background information. And so I've identified 75 scene archetypes in different categories. And what I've done is I've created a reference book uh, so that when you get the scene archetype, you're going to get an explanation of it. You're going to get how the, th the three C's work in the archetype, mm -hmm. the protagonist wants and needs, um, the reader expectations. Um, you're going to get three C's for like eight or nine different genres. Um, and this is the, the cherry on top. You're going to get a customized prompt for that scene archetype that you can put in a chat GPT um, with space for you to put your particular, your particulars in there and have it generate the first draft of a scene for you. I remember you talking about that idea. What was it? It was not this year, but last year year was it last year in it october at least two years ago okay yeah. it was two years ago that's right and you were talking about because that was when i went to cleveland and yeah. uh yeah so wow and now you yeah. get to do it because you have chat, B chat gpt as a 
as a writing partner to make yeah. it possible. Yeah. And so, so much of it, I mean, it just saved me so much time. Like even um, for every scene archetype, I've included three examples of mm -hmm. uh, three movies, three television shows, and three books of, uh, of that particular ar archetype. And I had ChatGPT find that for me because it would have taken me Ugh. months to find so all those long. examples. So long. But what I was saying is you do have to double check. <laughs> so that's on <Yep>. you. <laughs> I had yep. it totally make something up for me one time. And I was like, oh, I know what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I said, hey, uh, go back. That's not right. And it's, oh, so sorry. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we're, when is that supposed to come out? Do you think? Uh, it'll be out in August of 2023 for sure. Wow. That's fantastic. So yep. uh, you're going to put up a pre-order page for it? I, I am not going to put up a pre-order. Um, that's a whole other conversation. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but, that's fine. But, uh, but I'll let you know very, very soon when, when, when and where you can get it. I'm, I'm excited because uh, like I said, I just ripped through this book. It was great reading. I'm looking forward to the discovery one because maybe I can return to my pants or roots, you know, knowing what I know now that I didn't know then. And then uh, uh, looking forward to the archetype book because I can see how that would be just so useful. I was really inspired by the emotion thesaurus by um, Becca and um, Angela. Yeah. Angela. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's kind of in that vein. I, I really imagine it being a book that you just, you grab off the shelf, you flip to find the one. You're like, I love oh, I need books. a. Yeah, like those are, they're so helpful and, and so handy. And so mm -hmm. uh, it's massive, though. It's like I, I just formatted the paperback. The paperback's almost 500 pages and it's an eight by 10 trim size. So it's going to be a monster. Ooh, how be you doing the ebook? Thanks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's what I do with the Emotion Thesaurus. I pull it up on Kindle, on the Kindle app on my, my, uh, my laptop when I'm writing. And then if I'm just like stumped, I go and look at it real quick. Yeah. And they go, how can I use that? Oh, it's yeah, done. Exactly. So, yep. uh, so that's how it's going to be used for me anyway. Yeah, that, yeah. That's or, that's the hope. I, I hope everyone uses it that way. Yeah. Then you're going to have to do a deal with Plotter and get it in there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've given you ideas. There we go. All right. Well, thank you so much, Jay. It's been a pleasure to have you on Writing Pursuits. Uh, my, my pleasure uh, to you, Kathy. It was always fun talking to you. Okay. I'll talk to you later then. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the podcast today. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a star rating and follow the podcast. If you're new around here, I hope you will sign up for Writing Pursuits Tips for Authors, my newsletter that comes out most Thursdays when health and life permit. That link and all the links mentioned in today's episode are in the show notes at writingpursuits.com. Please join us on Wednesdays for new episodes and keep writing, my friends. Keep writing.